Investing in your business can be a wonderful way to grow wealth and live the life you want. That's what I'm doing. But investing in someone else's business can be even better. In my opinion, this is the best way to generate true passive income streams. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including the Global Cashflow Kings ETF, ticker symbol CFLO, which lets you invest in 200 companies with high levels of free cash flow, such as Visa and Costco, in one ETF. You can learn more about CFLO and the BetaShares fund range by visiting betashares.com.au. Read the PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Guys, how you going? Good, mate. How are you? Very good. Good. Um, good to have you. Good to have you on air, live again. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, uh, we are going to try to do every Friday at midday. You can join us on YouTube, or you can just listen on while you do your work, while you run your business on the Australian Business Podcast. Just jump into uh, YouTube, uh, find the Rask Australia channel. And you'll see we are just recording our videos remotely and you can ask us questions or just have a chat with us live. We, uh, we're we not taking it too seriously when we go live. We're having a bit of a chat. And every week, um, this episode will appear on the Australian Business Podcast on a Sunday. So send us your questions. There's a link in the show notes or in the YouTube description if you're uh, watching live. Just send us your questions. Have a chat with us in real time. We would love that. And uh, yeah, all the info is in the in the show notes, or if you're listening to this on Sunday, you can um, just click the link in your Apple or Spotify or wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Where do you guys listen to podcasts? Like what I use Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, right. I'm a Spotify. I'm, I'm very loyal to Spotify for some reason. Mm. I thought, for me as well, with the, the Tesla doesn't have the old podcast app because no, I used to use the Apple podcast. So now, I've, now I'm using the, um, yeah, the other one, the Spotify one. I find that odd because the Teslas have um, they have Apple Music, but they don't have mm. Apple Podcasts, which is a bit bizarre to me. Um, yeah, in fact, yeah. that's the one thing that I've probably been disappointed with, with the Tesla is actually the the App Store. It's not really it's not really that much of an App Store at all, to be honest. That's yeah, there's I'm, not not much to it. So Elon, who's an avid listener of the Australian Business Podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fix it up, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it is like, yeah, for those folks that don't know, it's like looks like a giant iPad that sits inside your car. And there's only like a few that you can actually use while you're driving, which is a bit odd. I think in the US they have a lot more. But anyway, 
Um, I listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts too. So um, it's interesting because how's this for a statistic across our shows? Um, on the Australian Finance Podcast, the Australian Investors Podcast, and this podcast, it's anywhere between 60 and 77% of our listeners listen on Apple, the Apple Podcast player, which is remarkable when you think about that. It's a huge yeah. number. But on the Property Podcast, it's over 50% on Spotify. So I don't, I have no idea. Maybe the analytics are just completely wrong. <laughs> but um, I, I know a lot of our peers in the podcasting space, they um, they get more, much more on Spotify. So CP, hello, comrades. Um, g'day. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird one. So it's interesting to see where people come from. Um, all right, guys. So we've got some questions this week sent in. One from, um, who have we got here? We've got Artful Bludger onesie and uh, one was sent from kate campbell the famous author um who's from the australian finance podcast but what have you guys been working on jordan what have you been working on this week um this week i've been focusing on facebook ads so learning the i've been learning the ins and outs of that for the past month or so and this morning actually we launched our first ones where we're doing producing the video the little minute clip and then that's going to push to like a landing page and then there's some traffic training there and yes yeah, so i've been doing that to be honest which has been very interesting how did you set your budget for that um i'm just trying through four different ad sets and we're doing 30 dollars per ad set so it's about 120 dollars a day and then that's just going to be adjusted you don't have to do that much you, it can be a lot less um mm. but that's what so, we're starting off with so you've got what we would call in the marketing space uh you've got what we call creatives like four different creatives so four different like hooks on, that you run on Facebook and then all of them go to the same landing page? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, We're test, cool. testing four different audiences um, just to see which one's the best there because we're in a testing phase and then we'll sort of double down on the one that gives us the best return, the best ROAS. Yeah, yeah, cool. ROAS, tell us what that means. A return on ad spend. Okay, So cool. hopefully put a dollar in and get $2 out. But yeah. I'm, I'm guessing the first couple of months is going to be put a dollar in and get 50 cents back, so <laughs> trial and error. <laughs> yeah. And why did you go with Facebook alone? Or? Um, because we've got some – we've got organic sources of marketing that we, we do in the background, but Daniel and I had a chat and we'd like to get some type of paid traffic where we can have some type of, um, I guess, baseline return on the money we're putting in as opposed to just waiting for things to come through the door. It's, some, it's a bit more of a proactive strategy. Mm. Yeah. Could fail miserably. We'll see. I'll let you. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Um, that's great. Um, how about you, Daniel? What have you been up to? Um, meetings, meetings, and uh, more meetings. So, okay. yeah, I'm. There's been a lot of sort of onboarding. There's been a lot of advisory services that sort of are rolling into this period of time. So, a lot of our advisory line items sort of start happening at the end to the start of sort of certain quarters um, majority. So it's just been planning, prepping, getting the accounts up to date, getting the slides together, doing the meetings because they're about an hour to an hour and a half a pop and then they add up and that doesn't include prep time. Um, so it's just been that. Like even today, I've, I've been in the boardroom since 9 o'clock just back-to-back -back, um, meetings, Zooms, and now straight on to this. So while Jordan's trying to generate the work, I'm in the background just making sure everyone that does come on does get a, a really good experience, gets what they're sort of looking for, and we can actually sort of help some businesses. Yeah. While we're doing uh, it. 
So if you guys were the parents of Grace Base, uh, Jordan would be the fun one, and you would be the serious one that actually does the things. Yeah, I've got to look over people. Yeah. Make sure things get done. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Done. That's it. <laughs> I like it. I like what it. have you been working on, Owen? What's been happening this week? Um, we've been on the road, as you guys know. Uh, we met some really cool people up in Port Macquarie and Newcastle. Actually, there was a couple of folks, um, a young couple in particular from Port Macquarie, who really wanted to see you guys and chat with you guys about business. And uh, the young guys, this is going to be fun. The young guy that um, is just starting his business up in Port Macquarie, he's actually, I've invited him on the show uh, to tell us a bit about his business and to tell us a little about what he what he wants to do. And it's basically have an out and out Q&A session with the three of us. So I haven't told you guys about that. So sorry about that. Sounds but uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I figured it's a great thing. And then we can check in with him in six months and 12 months and see where he's at and um, just kind of play along. And I'm sure awesome. other people would love that. So if you are listening, I thought this was a great format. We used to do this on the finance podcast. If you are listening and you're starting out as a business owner and you just want to get free advice um, and you want to share your story of what your business is and connect with maybe 10,000 other business owners, just write into us. Use the question and a, uh, question a, Q&A uh, link in your show notes and your podcast player and um, write into us and just leave your details for us to contact you and tell us a bit about your business and we'll um, we'll get you on the show and you can spread the message about your business and it could be a bit of fun. So, sure. yeah, so uh, just up in there, Port Macquarie and... Uh, Newcastle came back late last night. Uh, you know what it's like when you go on the road. You guys do this a lot. When, you, when you're on the road for work, people think it's fun at first and then you do two of them and you're like, okay, I'm done. Um, and basically, because basically what you do is you have to make it worthwhile. Like it's expensive. So you got to have back-to-back meetings. Every 15 minutes is accounted for and that sort of stuff. And I uh, had a great week away with the guys up there. There was just an amazing crowd up in uh, Newcastle and a smaller community in Port Mac, but it's fun. Um, but one thing that I've been working on with Mel is our events and these types of things. Obviously, we've been doing a lot of events. So that just means a lot of budgets and a lot of like the thing that I, the th- I think one of the things that makes events really hard is the variability. So like you said before, Jordan, if, you, if you're doing marketing on a Facebook, you kind of know if you put money in, you get money out. Like you can cl- see the clicks, the impressions. And like with your your business, like if you see from your perspective, Daniel, if you see someone, you know what the billable rate is. You know how much they pay you, and it's it's visible earnings, like it's visible mm. profit in a, in a way. Whereas with events, like you could just have like something go wrong. Oh, you need to get an AV system, or you need to do this, and yeah, there's a lot of variability in what can go wrong, and you're dependent on outside sources. So um, that's something that I've just we've just found challenging um the events will break even and maybe make a small profit for us but they're costing us about seventy-five thousand dollars minimum to do so it's 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 good but it's it's a lot right and it takes mm. a lot out of the team it's also one of those focus equations but um that's what i've been working on and um it's been good fun so we've got some really good questions but maybe to get the ball rolling the one from kate she just jumped into our um google workspace and just dropped a great question on us out of nowhere i don't know what she was thinking about she must have just been like I've been thinking about this question and I don't have an answer for it. Uh, and she said, um, how much time and money should you spend upskilling before starting a small business? At what point does it become procrastination or procrastinating from actually doing the thing? And this is so important. We see a lot of businesses 
and business owners, would-be business owners, either never get started, talk about doing something, or spend too short of a time doing the prep or too long of a time. So how do you guys think about this? This is a tough question because yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I think there's no real right answer. I think we can all come up with, with a different answer that could work for different people in different industries doing different things. And the level of upskilling is obviously dependent on what your business is, right? So, for example, someone that's, you know, mowing lawns, you know, that wants to start up like a landscape maintenance business called Jim's Mowing, which is really popular, the level of upskilling probably won't take as long as you would for, let's say, example, a lawyer who wants to, you know, go through studies, learn everything and go through the motions, get experience. Like the the time and money sort of investment is, is very different. Um, I think my comment on it would be there's never going to be the perfect or the right time to jump in and do it. Um, in terms of money, I think you spend whatever you can, whatever you have allocated and as much as you can into your education. But there's so many free resources out there now where you can learn a lot of skills for free just by investing your time. Um, and down that time component, I, I think you're always going to be learning. You're never going to know everything in whatever you're doing. So know enough to be an expert to a customer and then continue just learning as you're working. And you'll probably pick up a lot more during during that sort of process than you would just sitting there sort of trying to learn it from, from scratch. Mm, I like it. What do you think, Jordan? Um, my answer might be unpopular opinion, but I've saw, I saw this TED talk um, and I think the guy that did the TED talk, his name is Malcolm, I can't remember his, his surname, talks about the 10,000 hour rule to achieve mastery. Malcolm Gladwell. Um, yes, that's the one. Um, and he, he raises some super interesting things, but again, it's probably the more technical side of things. Um, but again, to achieve mastery, it's not something you're going to learn in two or 300 hours. I mean, even at 10,000 hours, if you're doing 40 hours a week, that's still, just got my calculator. And I guess four years. Yeah, pretty much for, for 250 weeks. So yeah. I think it's really important to master your craft before you you can do both, but I think as you try and get bigger and more complex jobs, whatever the field may be, you're going to want to make sure you've tackled issues that come up before so you're not left cold-faced in front of clients. Um, mm. So I think it's really important to master your skill before jumping out and, and just doing things. Yeah, I guess at one extreme of that, we have like like those tech entrepreneurs, like we hear of like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and these types of people who – they, they seem like they're like 17 when they start billion-dollar businesses and it kind of sounds like the dream, but there's even those super bright IQ of infinity and beyond type people, they would even have so much that they need to learn, which is why they need to get mentors and they make so many mistakes along the way and a lot of us don't have the ability to make those types of mistakes. I was thinking a bit about this today when Kate sent it through and um, I did come up with a bit of a way that I would think about this and I guess the... The things that I would be asking is probably a good way to go about it. So if a lot of business owners, a lot of people talk about doing a business because they think they've got a great idea, but they don't actually know why they're doing it. So is it for money? Sure. It's great. Is it for a bit more freedom? Is it for, because you hate your job? That's probably not a good reason to start a business, to be honest, because you hate your job. Um, so 
find out what's your why. It sounds so sim- simple. It's like a classic coaching technique. It's just like find out what's your why and work backwards because if you want flexibility but you don't want responsibility, do not start a business because <laughs> you're going to have a lot of responsibility. You might have some flexibility, but you're going to have so much more responsibility than you could ever dream of. And so there are certain things about a business that you need to think carefully about, I think, before you even embark down this path. This next step that I would take is I would also think about are my personal finances, is my life, quote unquote, plan and admin and house in order? And this is a simple one, but like if you want to start a business, it's going to cost money. If you want to start a business, you're probably not going to make money very, very quickly. So sort all of that stuff out either while you're doing the research or now and then do the research. Um, And I'll run through some extra criteria that I'd have Um, is if you're starting in an industry where there are other businesses, like if it's mowing or if it's accounting or if it's whatever, um, know who the five competitors are that you will be competing against or at least those that are leading the industry. Like who are they and what do they do? And here's the secret thing. Go and steal one thing from them. Take one thing that they're doing well and use it for yourself. There's no rule against that. And I'd say it's actually not a rule against it. I'd say it's a rule that you should all do. (laughs) Try and see what they do and make it your own. And a lot of people become really obsessed at this stage. They kind of like go through this motion where they, they know everything about everyone in the industry. And it's like they need to know. You don't need to know because the more you focus on the competition, the less you're focusing on your customer, which is the only thing that matters at the end of the day. But you do need to know what has worked. And a really easy way, if you don't have a mentor or a coach or someone or an accountant who's experienced in this, the easiest way to do it is just to see what everyone else is doing. Because if they're in the industry and they've survived this long, they must be doing at least something right. Like, unless they've got like crazy venture capital funding where they're just burning money and they don't give a crap, um, which is possible too. But find out what they're doing and and go from there. I've got a few others, but does that make sense so far, guys? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love it. Reinventing the wheel. You know, imitation is the best form of of flattery, they say. So I I Mm. agree with that. Even on that, like the the mastering your skill set and becoming the best technician you can, you want to do that as well before you go into business because once you're in business, it's not just mowing or photography mm. that you need to, to worry about. It's generating income, marketing, your finance side of things, operations and how you're going to scale. There's so many other things that are going to come up after the fact that it's really important you have a, a thorough baseline understanding of what the service you're trying to deliver. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Yeah, yeah. And you don't, and I, I take your point there. You don't have enough time to do all of them at once. No. You're just so before you before you go and quit your job or you finish your study or whatever you don't start those things now. What can you do now? Um, so important. Like listen to this podcast would be a very simple one because you can do it passively. It's not gonna 
hopefully every week rocking up here is not going to kill you listening to the show. Um, but just have a listen to it and, and try and figure some of these things out. We've also got a free course and you can jump on a call and, you know, have a chat with us. But anyway, um, the other things that I would say now, once you've kind of identified the competitors and all that, and this is the most important step, is identify who your customers are. Like I'm still surprised that so many businesses exist when they haven't actually identified, like actually just written it down, like who is my customer? Because, okay, you might not get it right. Like you might go, oh, my customer is a 39-year-old bloke named Jordan and I don't know if you're 39, mate, but just just saying, I, don't, I know you're not. Oh, but, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but like. Because I'm like, that bad. That's what a 29-year-old looks like. Yeah, so you might, you might think it's a – uh, you might think it's a 39-year-old um, professional from Sydney in this location and has these hobbies. But you might find out that it's a 27-year-old blue-collar in this location that seems to be rocking up every day. So it, it it will change, but once you know who your customer is, even if there's a few different avatars or customer profiles, what you can do from there is you can do everything else as if you're talking to them. So... You, get, you mentioned Facebook before. Like I'd be interested in how that goes relative to other mediums because um, if, if if we think about Facebook, the types of people who use Facebook predominantly, like you can target different groups, which is what makes it so powerful. But um, I, I, I can only speak from my own experience here, so it's a sample size of one, which is not very relevant. But I don't use Facebook that much anymore. I'm more like Instagram or Twitter. Um, so if someone wanted to target me, they'd have to probably be over there. Um, Meta is, is both as well yeah. so like it puts yeah. the ads across both platforms oh, okay okay so you're using both yeah yeah right yeah. okay yeah yeah so i'd maybe target more females on instagram and more males uh on twitter and well maybe males on instagram as well but um i would like if i wanted white collar professionals and like corporates maybe i'd use a linkedin ad as as well as a strategy um so once you know who your customer is you can meet them where they are it's like if you think about it for an in for an in-store experience, like we all know that location is key, like for restaurants, for cafes, for convenience stores, location is the number one factor. So if you think about location being important, location is also important when you are on have an online business or an online strategy. You have to be where the customers are. It's pretty simple. Um, and that's going to help you win. And a lot of people don't get to that point because they don't even define who their customer is. It just kind of happens. Um, finally, I'd say get a bank account, get your domain name now before you choose, choose your name, get a logo sorted on Fiverr or whatever. And the bit that I did, and I'm so grateful that I did it before I started my business, was I knew after my careful research, as Jordan was saying, is I knew that the three ways my business would die before I started. So like the three biggest risks, if these three things happen, I am instantly out of business or I will not be a success. And you might not know them straight away, but for a lot of people, like from my experience, it was getting a license, like that you need a license in finance, who would have thought? Um, I also needed a marketing strategy that worked and I knew what I needed to do, but it wasn't clear. Uh, and then I needed funding. Like those were the three things. And yeah, that, that's once you know the answer to these questions, start the business. <laughs> like <laughs> start the business, don't wait because... Um, yeah, I'm, I'll put these in the show notes so people don't have to memorize them all. But um, yeah, that's what I do. And yeah, anything you guys think is contentious in there? No, no I've got a point here, and I wouldn't mind getting sort of both of your opinions on it as well, because I think that the topic sort of upskilling 
And if let's say you're learning a new skill and you're going into an area, let's say for example, you're a corporate, don't like corporate world anymore, you want to start a cafe, very, very common sort of misconception. Would you pile up experience as part of the learning process? Would you go out and get a job working for someone and make mistakes under someone's sort of under someone else's watch? Is that would you consider that as part of like the the time investment component yeah, of learning yeah. the dub skill? Like what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think um especially if you've got no industry experience whatsoever, um, you need to understand how the operations of any business work if you're gonna walk in and take over, especially if it's a business where you're going to invest heaps of capital um, and you might not have a big runway in terms of cash, it's really important that you can go in there. Even if it's, uh, if, if you were to sort of buy a business from an existing person, you can go in there and get the owner to work with you for six months. I mean, that can help. Again, it, it goes away from the 10,000 hour rule that I was talking about, but if that's not an option, you just want to lean on people who are there at the moment or have been there in the past. It's super important. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think anyone, if you're in an industry that is at all technical, you'd want to have some technical experience. And um, that has to. I think that has to come through on-the-job experience. And my thing before about identifying five competitors in the space is more so for people that have non-competes. If you don't have a non-compete or you're not likely to have a non-compete, in that industry, just go and work for these businesses for six months, two years. The more you have, the better. And just approach it as if you aren't going to be at that business for a long time. And you can be candid with the business owner. Um, but maybe you can get experience at two or three different places in a relatively short period of time. And again, it's about, well, if I go and work, I want to start a pub. I have no experience running a pub. It seems cool, but that's not good enough. Like I need to actually research it. So I'm going to go work at that pub you know, I'm going to work the night shift. It's going to suck for a while because I don't want to do that right away. But I'm going to learn how they serve drinks. And then I'm going to go down there and be like, how does the kitchen work down there? And what do the customers say about this one? And I think that's just a a really easy way to just piece together the things that work and the things that don't. Because there's so much you can learn in a book, but the actual job experience is so important for upskilling. Um, and yeah, I I think that's so important. What about you, Daniel? Curious. Curious on your yeah, I'm, I'm all for it because... Especially when I think with people making a big switch, it's very unlikely that they're going into like a very skilled um, industry where, you know, sitting, sitting doing research can benefit you. Um, I think like, you know, tracking back to the mowing example, sort of going back and forth, there's only so much you can research about mowing. Like until you actually go out there, experience it, go through, make the mistakes, it's going to be very hard to build up, you know, 10,000 hours of research on a mowing business until you actually go out there and start doing it especially like the the hands-on uh, oh and i think that's where it should build to that ten thousand, sort of building the, the experience and the work hours into that sort of ten thousand hour component mm, i the guy that the young guy that was um chatting to me in port macquarie he actually is doing this while he's studying he's running uh his own uh like uh lawn mowing and like kind of maintenance business and um, I said to him, like, I put him, I've got a mate that does it and he's really well established here in Melbourne. I said to him, I'll put you in contact with him because he's not a competitor to you um, and you can actually just have a chat with him and you can get some advice that way as well. Um, but and there's one final thing here that might, uh, someone close to me, I'll say that, um, is looking, is really stressed with their current job and they're, they're looking to make a change 
um, and they're looking to take a break from their industry, which they're extremely experienced in. And they're looking for ways that they can make money, um, particularly with a young family, right? And so I've given them some ideas. And I said, the first thing you should probably do is go and figure out what those professions actually do or those roles actually do. So she's now listening to podcasts. Sounds like a pretty simple way to, to learn about what's happening in the industry and what they do. So, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, we got two questions here. One was from, maybe we'll start with the easier one for you guys first, and then the last one's kind of open-ended, which is from Artful Bludger, which is a good name. Great name, uh, Artful Bludger. You got the number one name this week. Uh, they say, I'm a tech consultant operating as a sole trader. How does charging GST work when you're billing clients based overseas? Jordan, yeah. Daniel? That, that, that's an easy one. Um, so as long as it's as long as what you're doing is being used overseas by a non-resident, you don't have to charge for GST, and you don't sort of pay that GST to the government. It, it'll be treated as GST free. Okay. Yeah. So like, so is that? Yeah. Right. Okay. So is that like the um, GST exempt thing that people see in zero? Is that what that is? Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. So you don't, but it I guess there should be like a GST free category. So you'll see there's like GST on expenses, GST on income, and there's like a BAS excluded. And then there's, I think there's a, no, that's it. You just choose the GST free option. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, speak to your accountant if you've got them handy art for bludger. Uh, it might be a good one. Uh, but that's very common, especially for tech design, these type consulting, these types of businesses, super common. Um, I know it gets quite complicated uh, for some folks when they – okay, I'm going to actually ask a different question. So I'm going to catch you off guard with this. Say you have an e-commerce business, right, and you sell stuff obviously online. Like say you sell like courses or you sell products. Let's say, so, for example, you're based here in Australia and someone from the UK buys your product. You don't have to put GST on that, right? The reason why I asked this, I've, I've been asked this recently by a few different creators, like content creators. Um, some of them, like I work with, they're like, well, some people are buying my stuff from overseas. Do I need to do like something different for that? Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's service based on like, a, like if it's, let's say, for example, you're like a, like a freelance writer even, and you're sort of doing work for, call it an English company, and you don't need to charge for GST. I think... And there's more that I, I probably wouldn't be able to answer is a product. So, you know, if it's a fidget spinner, mm. um, I'm not quite sure how that would work. Yeah, uh, it's probably just, you probably need to get advice from two sides, right? Maybe you need to get advice from that side and this side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's usually like one of, one of two rules. Like if you're outside of Australia, um, it doesn't apply. And if the, the use of the actual service is outside of Australia, um, it doesn't apply. But Again, it's something you'd probably want to speak to someone on because see, different situations can have different mm. consequences. Um, but as a general rule, it wouldn't apply. Yeah, if you're a uh, if you're a lawyer listening to this and you want to help us out with this one, this might actually be really interesting because I'm getting this quite a bit now because a lot of these, um, I'll call them micro businesses, where they say like under five employees um, or very maybe under three employees, even where they create content or products and they sell those things overseas through freight forwarding or whatever, like third-party logistics. Um, some of them are now getting pinged by like Stripe and PayPal because PayPal and Stripe are saying, well, are you earning income in the UK or 
America or where are you earning your income? Because you may need to be, you may be liable for something. A lot of people are getting quite confused. I've seen that very often. So um, I'd love to maybe dive into that for folks that are in that industry. But the final question is one that maybe I'll throw to you first, Jordan, which was a really good one from Wanzi, who says, I have a physio practice. It's been running for a year, though I'm looking to expand and put other clinicians on, which is great. I need to look at improving my internet presence though don't understand how SEO works. Can it not just be set and forget like a once-off situation updated rarely when things change? Why do people spend $1,000 a month on SEO when their website or services aren't changing at all month to month? Mm. Um, Jordan, what is SEO, first of all? Um, well, you're the master of SEO. So search it stands for search engine optimization. I'm going to talk about another strategy and leave that to you because... Okay. Your level of knowledge doesn't compare to mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's generous. I don't know about that, but yep, go on. Um, I guess other options, because I know with SEO, there can be a runway for when you see results from the money you 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 spend and for the content that you're putting out. I think an easier way that's going to cost you absolutely nothing is just video content, especially as a chiropractor. Um, you can see and you can hear results. So that can play on people as well. I mean, if you're scrolling on TikTok, scrolling on Instagram, those videos get my attention when you hear those big cracks, back cracks and neck cracks. So I think to start off by having an online presence, start with social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, whatever it may be, because that's going to cost you nothing. SEO is more of a long play. Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, so a lot of people like use it. So there's basically, let's just break it down. There's basically two different types of marketing online that you can do one is like acquisition based and the other one is like organic basically like an example of organic is where you don't pay facebook or google for it they kind of come through those channels anyway um because they just find you online and the most common way to get organic traffic is through something called content marketing uh, and content marketing is basically like blog, blog posts podcasts um, all these types of things where you just put it out there and it's helpful content. Um, so it could be even content around your product. So it could be like um, how your business works or it could be here's the five tips you need to know when starting a physio business. Like we could, the three of us could do that uh, podcast next week and that's content marketing. And then you would find that useful as a physio business owner um, and then you maybe share it with a friend. And then that sharing with a friend then gets us more eyeballs. But you're right, Jordan. Typically what happens with SEO is you reach kind of peak SEO juice after six months. Like, And that's even probably a bit early, to be honest. You don't really know the value of the fruits that you're planting until a year in, basically. Um, but people, the problem with SEO is it's a really fiddly thing, I've found. Like people make so many mistakes. Um and like those can be very simple mistakes, like changing the URL of a blog post. Is it just absolute like that's a like if you if you have an existing piece of content, like five tips to grow your physio business, and it's a blog post and it's pretty good, it's well written, and you go and change the SEO, uh, you change the URL of that for whatever reason in your WordPress or Squarespace website. It's gonna Google's gonna see that they're gonna be like, well. Is this the same piece of content? It throws the search engine off. And here we go. Marcos just chimed in and said, Google AdWords may be a better way to go. Yeah, so Google AdWords, Marco, great point. In the early days, um, Google AdWords is 
um, a really good way to get acquired leads very early. So you could have the same piece of content, but just have a, an ad running over the top of it that directs people to that content. So rather than relying on the organic slow burn, uh, some businesses don't need SEO focus, I would say. Like a lot of businesses don't do it. Um, I'd say as you get bigger and you have time, maybe. But one thing that content marketing can do for a physio, just as a real quick thing, is it can position you as an expert in your industry. So if that's where you want to go, if you want to be a leader and you want to be highly regarded, you need to write, you need to sit behind a camera, you need to do all those things. Otherwise, no one's ever going to think that. So get behind the camera, produce content and start having a strategy for that. 90% of businesses have a content strategy. So um, that's that was a fact that I read from, I can't remember who it was, but that's 90% of businesses. And so have a content strategy. But just be be aware it's patience is going to pay. If you're thinking that you need to spend $1,000 per month on SEO, you don't. You can start with nothing, to be honest. You could just go into your WordPress um, plugin library, download Yoast SEO, which is the best SEO plugin, write some content, and Yoast will automatically determine if your page is SEO friendly or not. Um, we're going to do a whole marketing thing on this um, in a few weeks. So uh, that's a great question. Um, as Marco said, there are a few different combinations. Jordan's running ads, Google ads. Um, we talked last week about the easiest form of marketing is to use your existing audience, like referral programs, um, incentives for other people to join. Like I saw this in my local gym the other day. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It was it was like Father's Day or something. Um, it's like bring your dad for free. It's not because the gym's trying to be a good guy. It's because they get your dad to come to the gym and he's like, oh, that's not that bad. I might sign up, right? <laughs> right? So, so like it's very simple marketing. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. Um, so guys, you're going to be in Sydney on October 3rd when we've got the event coming up. Uh, that's going to be heaps of fun. October 3rd, it's a Tuesday night, school night. Jordan and Daniel will be there roaming in the crowd. Hopefully we can organize like a booth or at least a big banner um, and we can, uh, we can meet some of the folks who listen to the show because... Uh, it's been awesome getting on the road and just chatting to people. And if you're a business owner, come and be part of it. We'd love to do, I don't know, maybe next year, guys, we can look at doing just a business owners meetup, like people who listen to the show. But in the meantime, like come along to these big events that we're throwing and have a bit of a laugh. Um, I remembered something that when we were at the Gold Coast event, when you were speaking before, Daniel, um, do you guys remember Raul who spoke at the event? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. He, he, had, he was on a podcast with Tash, who you guys also know, Tash Invests. And um, he said that he's got a test of when he talks to small business owners and when they're thinking of starting their business. He said, if you look back at your business in two or three years and you don't cringe at what you did, then you took too long. And I think that was a really interesting way to frame just getting started in business because like we're going to look back at this podcast in two years and the three of us are going to be like, holy heck, this guy's wearing a cap. Like Jordan's in a boardroom, Daniel's doing whatever. Like what the hell's we all doing? Like it should have been so much better. We should have done this, this and this. <laughs> like holy heck. But you know what? We're giving it a crack, right? And we've got 10,000 people or thereabouts that listen to the business podcast. And we're figuring it out and we're trying to get better and we're going to cringe and that's okay. You know? 
Where so true. With like the first couple of episodes we did, like I can't even listen to them back now. <laughs> it just just hurts my soul. <laughs> but but here we are, right? And we've we're kind of figuring it out as we go along, and we don't have it perfect, as you were saying, Daniel. Like we just don't have it perfect. And so, if you're in this mode where you're like, I'm gonna do it. I'm thinking about doing it. I just don't know if it's right. Just get out there. We're gonna champion it no matter what. If you say to us, "Hey, we gave this a crack," we're like, "Great, awesome, well done." Yeah. For sure. Um, Even, and you know, that also goes back to the, that physio example about getting in front of the camera from personal experience. The, the first couple of times I hated it, like the anxiety levels were through the roof, but after you do it a few times, it becomes so much easier. So don't be afraid to get outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. You're coming from like a small business sort of owner mindset now. And I don't know if you guys sort of agree with me with this. But my mindset now is literally I would rather fail a million times and fail every single day for the rest of my life than to sort of sit back and say I didn't try. Like I'm, yeah. that's my mindset now. I probably wouldn't be able to go back to work for someone sort of ever again. And there's a high chance of me doing something else other than accounting than there is going back to a corporate accounting job. Um, just from that whole mentality of I would rather give it a crack for the rest of my life and never succeed than to sort of go through my life being like I never really tried. Yeah. So well said. Yeah, so well said. Inspiration for a Friday afternoon. I love it. Inspiration. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the flex going on. Uh, no, but it's it's true. It's true. Like it, it's so it true, is. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think once you do that mindset as a small business owner, you know, like a lot of people judge other people for doing things. Like I think it's something that we go through high school or whatever and we carry with us like, you know, we get people going to say things about us. People are going to look at us. But business owners are just going to get out there and they're going to give it a crack because they have to. There's no question. If you don't like a camera, well, you kind of just you're going to have to fix that, or you're going to have to not use a camera. You're going to get to find a way. And um, credit to you for doing it and giving it a crack. And as Marco said in the comments just now, doing a great great job, guys. Thanks, mate. Uh, Thank I agree. You. you just have to give it a go. So um, get out there, give it a crack. Um, come back next week for some more inspiration from Daniel, mostly Daniel. Jordan and myself, um, mate, uh, guys, it's always such a, such a blast. So thanks for, thanks for taking awesome. some time out. Cheers. Always. Thanks mate. Cheers. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian business podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.